You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. New numbers in the COVID-19 pandemic from BC health officials tonight include a steady rise in the number of hospitalizations. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix say BC has 53 additional cases for a total of 1,066 infections. And sadly, one more person has died. Keith Baldry has the latest on the impact here in BC and the concerns being raised about Canadian travelers, both here at home and abroad. Without a doubt, we will get through this. We will get through this no matter what happens. Reassuring words from Dr. Bonnie Henry as the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases climbs daily in B.C. Long-term care homes remain a particular source of concern. There have been 130 cases in two care homes, Lynn Valley and Harrell Park, alone. It just really reflects the challenging situation when you have uh, transmission ongoing in a facility and the importance of catching these really early. As of now, 142 people are in hospital, a rise of 14 overnight, and the number in intensive care continues to increase. 21 long-term care homes now have the virus and 606 people have recovered. Today, Health Minister Adrian Dix flagged a potential major problem in the offing, the return to Canada of thousands and thousands of Canadian travellers. There can be no ambiguity anymore, if there ever was, about people's obligations when they get home. No ambiguity as to what, as people's responsibility to self-isolate. No ambiguity about the need for the Quarantine Act in Canada to be enforced at the airport. Dick said the order of self-isolation for every one of those travelers could not be more important. The Herculean task doesn't end when people arrive in Canada. It only begins. Meanwhile, Dr. Bonnie Henry offered her consistent view to be social, but keep your distance from everyone. It's incredibly important for us now to maintain our strong social connections at a distance. We will get through this, and we'll get through this together. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now with more. Keith, Dr. Bonnie Henry was also asked once again about people wearing masks, non-medical mm -hmm. masks, and the potential benefits and drawbacks. Yeah, she's been reluctant, I think, to sort of talk about uh, masks because she wants to ensure, of course, every surgical mask out there has to be reserved for health authorities, uh, uh, health workers. So, but you can make your own masks, and I'm going to show one in a moment. But uh, here's Dr. Bonnie Henry again pointing out that wearing a mask isn't going to prevent you from contracting the virus, but it might assist you in not giving the virus to anyone else. If you are going to wear them, it can help reduce the droplets that you shed into the environment. And if somebody is infected and has mild symptoms or um, early on in the illness, it can prevent you from putting those droplets out. And that's probably okay. Um, but it's not, it, it, you can't use it in isolation and think that it's going to protect you and that you no longer need to do things like cleaning your hands regularly or maintaining those physical distance. So you heard me talk about homemade masks. Here's one my wife Anne made last night, a uh, piece of cotton and uh, a vacuum bag uh, liner bag sewed together with elastic bands. So it's very easy to, just to put on and, and wear uh, if you go out on the streets. So again, it doesn't help you uh, ward off the virus, but it, it will assist you in not inadvertently giving the virus to someone else. Well, wearing a mask uh, can allow you, you can be asymptomatic and not be aware you actually have the symptoms. And this will prevent you from actually transmitting the disease to other people. So if you've got the 
the wherewithal and the ability to do it. Make your own mask and wear it outside. Well done, Ann. And you know what? Even if you have a red pepper mask on your face, Keith, we'll recognize you anywhere. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. All right. It is one of the worst case scenarios in the fight against COVID-19 and sadly one we're watching play out in places like northern Italy and New York City. It's the shortage of personal protection equipment or PPE. Those masks and gowns and gloves and face shields are absolutely vital to keep doctors, nurses, first responders and other hospital staff healthy. While B.C.'s health minister says we currently have enough the B.C. government, Digital Technology Supercluster and B.C. Business Council have all partnered to create the COVID-19 Supply Hub, an online platform to source and coordinate the distribution of PPE. So what the Supply Hub does is it allows suppliers or, or people who want to make donations to go on the hub and to pre-qualify. So suppliers will be asked to answer a number of questions to make sure that the end user, the health authority of the hospital, understands the nature of what's being offered, the quantities and the specifications. Earlier this week, BC took delivery of a million surgical masks, but the worldwide demand for PPE is currently far outstripping supply. We have some breaking news to tell you about now. The Coast Mountain Bus Company says two of its employees have tested positive for COVID-19. Health officials have told Coast Mountain the confirmed cases involve one employee working out of the Burnaby Transit Centre and another who works out of the Port Coquitlam Transit Centre. While public health is not identifying either employee, the company says a POCO bus driver has told Coast Mountain that they've tested positive for the virus. The company says any buses or workspaces the employees have come into contact with have been thoroughly cleaned. No word at this point on whether this represents any risk to the public. News, the restrictions associated with the COVID-19 pandemic will likely be a part of our lives until at least summer is hitting some like a ton of bricks. Many had been hoping to see a faster return to normal. Jordan Armstrong has more on the concerns that raises and coping strategies. It's clear that these signs will be up for months, not weeks. So how are people coping with the thought of being cooped up at home until June or July? Well, I'm getting a lot of uh, writing done and I try and get out to the beach every day. I'm so lucky to live near kids, right? No shopping for yoga pants, no pub nights, no visits with grandparents. We do video calling with grandparents and we do that every day. Um, my dad reads to my boys every night. Right now, there's overwhelming compliance with the restrictions, but some wonder if that will start to slip. Something's going to happen. Everyone's going to stop buying into all these doctors. Premier John Horgan acknowledges anxiety is high, and with that comes a host of other concerns. Domestic violence is a big concern. We haven't seen an uptick uh, in the last briefing that I've had, but these are issues that, that may come into play. Dr. Henry's been clear. These, these initiatives are in place for today, not forever. A psychologist says it's crucial for our mental well-being to maintain daily structure and routine. 
So there's been this novelty of having a more relaxed schedule, being able to stay in pajamas, being able to be a little more flex with what we do. And, and you know, and that's fine. And that's fine for a short period of time. But now as we move forward and look toward this being our new normal for some number of months to come, uh, we can't do that indefinitely. And the reason is we know it will have a detrimental impact on things like our energy, our motivation. She says simulate social connections like eat dinner with friends by video. Screen time used to be something we tried to reduce. Now it's a critical window to the outside world. You're also going to need a pair of sharp scissors, a comb. So brush up on those DIY haircut videos. It's going to be a while before you see your hairstylist again. The big winners in all of this might just be our pets. They're going to be seeing a lot more of us over the next few months. Jordan Armstrong and Viola, Global News. Very cute. A number of B.C. towns renowned for rolling out the welcome mat to tourists are now pulling the rug out on visitors. The tourism hotspots are calling on people not to strain their limited health resources by resisting the urge to use self-isolation as an excuse for a rural retreat. Catherine Urquhart reports. Tofino's breathtaking beaches along Vancouver Island's west coast draw tens of thousands of visitors every year. This community thrives on tourism, but now, amid the COVID-19 pandemic, Tofino's mayor is telling people, stay home. Even those with second homes here are being asked to reconsider coming. If the, if the idea is to come out just for a week, Weekend, we again we ask, please don't at this time stay home. It is safer for you and it is safer for us. The hospital resources and the healthcare resources here are very limited. Now is not the time to be dealing with broken arms or uh, surfboard injuries. Also, asking visitors to stay away, the coastal community of Gibsons, another area that typically welcomes tourists. Please stay away. And then there's the obvious concern that visitors could bring the deadly virus into their community. Many residents here feel is, is the risk of, of somebody coming and carrying coronavirus with them and unwittingly transmitting it into the West Coast region. We want to minimize that. So for now, at least, the message is clear. As much as you may want to escape to Gibson's, Tofino, or some other small town, not now. And sometime, hopefully not too far in the future, you will be welcome back. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Right now, though, more evidence tonight of the thriving black market in B.C. for some medical supplies, despite a provincial ban on reselling them. A Global News crew responded Tuesday night to a Facebook post by a Richmond man who had masks and other equipment for sale. As Paul Johnson reports, not long after that, he was visited by a bylaw enforcement officer. Looks like you're selling masks. We'll leave it to you to come up with the words to characterize what's happening here. You've been texting with me for the last couple of days. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. So, you're caught. These are City of Richmond bylaw officers Tuesday confiscating a shipment of a thousand masks that they'd allegedly arranged to buy from a Richmond man in a sting operation. Do you know what's going on in the world right now? The man is given a thousand dollar ticket for running a business without a license. He's lucky it wasn't worse. Absolutely unacceptable. It's reprehensible. At a 
time like this that people trying to take advantage of uh, critical supplies. Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth banned reselling of medical supplies like masks in B.C. Luckily, most have complied, with some even taking surplus masks and equipment and donating it to the hospitals where they're needed. I had a long chat with this young man. He's 22 years old. He's a student who lives here in Richmond. He says he ordered these masks before the rules about reselling came into effect and says his intention was only to distribute them at cost to his Facebook friends. He says he's surprised at how serious this has become. Uh, I, I, I joked about a special place uh, for people like that. So apparently our freelance mask distributor didn't catch the premier's warning. At one point during Tuesday's sting, he even appeared to make the case he should be able to keep some of the masks. What are you going to do with those boxes? It's, it's fine. It's like, You're going to use them for your personal self, right? No, Not that sell one's them? my personal too. No, like, I don't know about that. Only the city of Richmond told Global News this is the third alleged resale operation they've taken down. So would-be profiteers could be facing their investigators and ultimately their own conscience. Hope you learned a lesson from this. In Richmond, Paul Johnson, Global News. Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau unveiling the details of the government's massive emergency wage subsidy plan today. Ottawa will pay up to 75% of wages for workers to help businesses keep more people employed during the COVID crisis. By far the biggest spending plan in Canadian history. Aaron MacArthur has the details. I can fill it right up to the bottom there. It's a one-woman show at the Delish General Store. Packing boxes for home delivery, the only way to keep the small business afloat. There are no employees. The owner can't afford to keep anyone on staff. And any help from the government seems too far away to be of any use. The wage subsidy actually will be of no help whatsoever to me. The federal government clarifying the rules about the relief package promised for businesses. This is the largest economic program in Canada's history. Businesses will get access to a subsidy of 75% of its wages if it can show a decline of 30% in revenue this March over last. The benefit will pay each employee up to $58,700. It's up to the business owner to show they are trying to pay the remaining 25%. Businesses will have to reapply for the subsidy every month. The program expected to cost the federal government $71 billion. And while it will roll out through the CRA, there are no firm timelines. Business owners shouldn't expect any relief for weeks yet. Applications won't open for another three to six weeks. So we're looking into, you know, May at this point. Employees that qualify for the wage subsidy will now not qualify for the emergency benefit package previously announced. The government expects that program to pay about $24 billion directly to Canadians. And will the Liberals keep announcing benefits and bailouts? The opposition says none of this new round of stimulus was agreed to in Parliament. They should have made sure that they were getting it right when it comes to helping Canadians instead of just helping themselves. The subsidy will also apply to non-profits and charities. But for many small businesses, this help might be coming too late to actually help. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. 
The B.C. government is offering some relief for businesses and homeowners struggling to make ends meet right now. The province is giving qualifying B.C. Hydro residential customers a credit of three times their average monthly bill. That credit does not have to be repaid, but it's only available to customers who've lost their job or are unable to work due to COVID-19. Impacted businesses are also getting a bill bailout with a three-month holiday from April to June. Major industries such as pulp mills and mines can defer 50% of their electricity bill payment for three months. To have a, 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 a holiday if you're a small business for the next three months when it comes to uh, your, your hydro bills, when you have a credit on your bill as a residential customer, if you've lost your wages or you've lost your job as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, are initiatives that will help make life a little bit easier uh, during the months ahead. And on top of the new credits, BC Hydro will also cut rates by 1% for all customers following approval from the BC Utilities Commission. In the week since BC post-secondary institutions closed their doors, many classes and lectures have gone virtual. But students in fields that require hands-on training and testing, like many of the trades, are now severely limited in what they can do. As Richard Zisman reports, that doesn't bode well for industries that were already short-staffed when the economy starts moving again. Like so many places in the province, the BCIT campus is nearly empty. The mainly technical college moving its 50,000 students online. Especially challenging for a place relying so heavily on hands-on learning to get the needed skills. We need to make sure that people don't suffer unduly as a result of these issues. That includes getting that certificate, getting that diploma, getting that degree that uh, people have worked so hard for. For example, there aren't any classes running at the welding program now because it requires close contact with students, meaning welders and many other trades in similar situations will be delayed getting students into the workforce. That is a real concern and uh, Minister Melanie Mark is reviewing that now with uh, presidents of universities and colleges. Schools are trying to get creative in order to provide the needed training. The BC Care Aid Registry is getting students work who have completed the competencies but not the hours. And at Langara College, the nursing program is continuing on-site work with extra precautions. We're working with uh, the health authorities to find ways that we can bring our groups of students in, which is usually a cohort of eight with an instructor. And if we can't bring the eight, we'll bring two one day, two the next day. Camosun College has been pulling students out of practicums, very aware about the impact this will have on those closing in on graduating. I think for students having their schooling interrupted, you know, being pulled from practice certainly adds to their stress and anxiety. Many schools are postponing all the clinical requirements until the fall. Work also being done with professional colleges to provide flexibility around hands-on requirements. But schools know that for some professions that's impossible and students will be delayed getting into the workforce. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, another unexpected side effect of the drastic measures to contain COVID-19 is hitting the people who are keeping our necessities of life on the shelves. As John Hua reports, truckers and delivery drivers are finding it hard to get something to eat or even use a restroom. They are literally the driving force behind the supply chain, delivering essential goods and other much-needed items during this global pandemic. It's what we do, continue to supply Canadians with the, with the goods that they require during this critical time. 
but despite being an invaluable resource, delivery drivers have lost a basic necessity out on the road access to a washroom. Certain bathrooms are closed, um, businesses are closed, and it's just become more and more difficult for them. Beyond washrooms, a lack of places to get food, even essential rest. Also, the new reality for long-haul drivers. If they don't have access to food, they don't have access to a restroom, I mean, at the end of the day, we are all going to be affected by that. The BC Trucking Association asking local governments for help. Municipalities can ease parking and noise bylaws. The province could put in more washrooms along the highways. These are actual uh, washrooms with hot and cold running water to make sure that the drivers are in there to get, be able to get in there and maintain a sanitary condition for themselves. The B.C. government has put in porta-potties at commercial vehicle inspection stations and are exploring other options. To be able to you know, maintain their personal hygiene in these very important essential routes. On local routes, delivery drivers hoping to rely on open businesses and restaurants for special access to restrooms. It's very, very important that we, we keep our people healthy, we keep our people safe, uh, and we operate safely and effectively within the communities. A key defense against COVID-19 is regular hand washing, and the same rule applies on the road. Because one thing we can't risk during these uncertain times is letting the supply chain start to close. John Hua, Global News. The declaration of a COVID-19 pandemic and subsequent travel restrictions mean millions of people suddenly had to cancel their travel plans. Airlines drastically reduced flights all over the globe. But getting your money back has been an exercise in futility for many customers so far. And as Sarah McDonald reports, that has some joining a proposed class action lawsuit. The global pandemic crippling the economy is unprecedented for all of us, including major airlines like Air Canada and WestJet. Companies not only facing mass layoffs, but now a class action lawsuit from potentially hundreds of thousands of customers like Ivan Medic. A lot of people are upset and it's desperate times and definitely people need to put food on their table. The crux of the lawsuit naming five companies involves cancellations due to COVID-19 and reimbursements and refunds. The law is quite clear that passengers whose flight is cancelled by the airline for any reason whatsoever are entitled to a full refund. But that allegedly hasn't been happening. Airlines offering vouchers or credit with restrictions rather than refunds. Medic providing Global News documentation of his efforts to receive one. Something he's been told in writing multiple times won't be happening by Air Transat, which calls these extraordinary circumstances, placing an extraordinary burden on the industry. It's, of course, impacting people without that money that, that now they don't have, that they didn't think they would need at this time. The proposed class would cover customers worldwide who booked with any of the named airlines before March 11th for flights either cancelled by the airlines or the passenger due to COVID-19 travel restrictions. Sebastian Paquette is representing passengers. We're not looking for fault here or to point the fingers. It's just a and B, the two parties to the transaction, somebody purchased something and that something just no longer exists. The lawsuit claims airlines should have had contingency plans or insurance in place for such a disruption. Though the Canadian Transportation Agency has been clear, airlines are not required to issue refunds for coronavirus-related cancellations. None of the claims have been proven in court. A statement of defense 
has not yet been filed. Sarah McDonald, Global News.